then I will open up with this caveat for you all. This is my first time running this game. All online resources say to play this game with, like, two to three people when you're starting out. So, there might be moments of chaos. <laughs> I will do my best to ride it and just work with what we've got. Most certainly, we will let things drop through the cracks. That is fine. Welcome, everybody, to this Halloween one-shot event. The game is Call of Cthulhu, and we have all of the cast of Aboard the Opal Star along with guests, and I will be your keeper for this evening. As far as some information about the characters playing in today's game, we're going to have each of our mem cast members introduce themselves. We'll start with the two guests. So let's start with Jake. Tell us about yourself. I am Jake Page, and I just love playing tabletop games. Today I will be playing Oscar Hughes, a young author who studied literature and psychology at Miskatonic University. He had some strange encounters as a child that led to his further fascination with all things occult and supernatural when one of his closest friends died mysteriously. And now he writes about supernatural events under the secret pseudonym, The Curious Gentleman. He's 5'10", fairly pale from having spent the last few years indoors mostly. He has hazel eyes and light brown, straight hair, and dresses well within his means. He does not attempt to make himself a noticeable person. Fair enough. Now tell me about the popularity of these books. How do you feel about that particular popularity? Oscar finds the popularity of his books to be comforting, as it is a means of steady income for him, and he is increasingly grateful that he used a pseudonym, as he does want some privacy in his life and for relatives to not know that he is the author of his works, but he is still grateful that other people have found enjoyment and perhaps something more in his novels. Now, your specialty on this mission is, as an author, you would be able to properly identify if this is inherently an occult book or not. That will be kept quiet until maybe a later time. Now we will move on to our dearest engineer. All right. Please introduce yourself as a human and then yourself as a unfortunate soul in this game. Hi, my name is Patrick. I am a friend of friends on this wonderful podcast of friends, although we'll see if that remains at the end of this session. As for who I'm playing, my name is Nicodemus Ross. I am an engineer. I have been working in this city for over a decade, and I've seen quite a few projects in my time. Some of them are more interesting than others. As a matter of fact, I even once worked on some sort of mysterious project for the San Francisco Steam and Holdings Company. But nowadays, I just work for some no-name aerospace company, but I'm looking to make my own company. Mind you, the space race is a good 30 years away from right this moment. No. 50 years away from this moment, as we are in 1927. What I meant was aeronautical. There you go. 
Fair enough. Working on that newfangled gravitation material and the airships that are involved in that. Absolutely. Aerostat technology, as they call it. It's the way of the future. The Hindenburg is just the start of it. It very much is. Did I need to describe my appearance as well? Oh, yes, please. Well, uh, as for how I look, I'm on the better side of 30s, and I am rather tall, and I used to play football. That's been a long time ago now. But I dress as you would expect a professional engineer would. Fairly nicely, I suppose, for this rather gallant affair. Alrighty. With that, we will move on to our next one. Thank you so much. Now, Amelia, do tell me about yourself. Well, she's not quite a young lady anymore. She's currently in her 30s, assistant professor at a university. She is the daughter of Sophia and James Devereaux, very well-off young couple who were always into the occult and the supernatural. She was raised around that her entire life and was always interested in it. And she said she had some of that interest with the neighbor boy, though he mostly just listened to humor her. There was one day when Amelia had been noticing there was something strange on the lake near their house. So he decided to take a little rowboat out and explore, and she doesn't really remember what happens. Her parents found her several hours later unconscious on the shore with part of her pinky finger missing. There was no sign of the boat and she never found what she was looking for and she could never quite recall what happened. Her parents had some intense conversations after that and while she was being treated, they decided to go themselves to investigate. They left a box in her care so if anything happened, they were told her to keep it safe and don't show it to anybody. And they were never seen again. It was a while before she finally opened that box, and inside of that box, she found a book. The book was containing some of their studies that, for a long time, she had heard them arguing that she wasn't ready for it. How could they expose her to that? How could they not? Argued back and forth, and since then, the book has never left her side, and she's never showed it to anybody, but she's still trying to decipher the information in it because some of it looks like the ravings of a madman but she just she knows if she can crack what this book is talking about she may finally get the proof that she's looking for her new fiance may have accidentally overheard her reading parts of it and he's asked her so she might show him but she hasn't yet fantastic and how are you presenting yourself this evening she is wearing a wraparound style cocktail dress and a necklace that once belonged to her mother. She does have a small bag with her containing some belongings that she always has on her, including a notebook as well as a book left to her by her parents that no one has ever seen, but it's always on her person. She's also got a fancy hat. Of course, hats were the fashion of the time. Now... Is there anything, any particular reason why you were invited on this mission? What is it that you are bringing to this particular group? She has spent her whole life studying the supernatural, and she is currently an assistant professor of mythology and ancient religions. The occult is her specialty, and she has some connections in the community surrounding the study of the occult. 
So they know she's always looking to find more and she's learned a lot through her studies. She, she just knows she's on the cusp of something. You might be very helpful for the identification of this product. This product. Material? No, it's not a product. Artifact. It's definitely an artifact. Yes. She grew up around quote-unquote artifacts, but most of them weren't really anything. She still was able to learn from them. Yes. Fantastic. So, Nyx. Very peculiar way of spelling that name. I know, I was like, I saw that, and I'm like, I'm I'm assuming you mean me. (laughs) My character's name is Maida Averell. She was actually originally born in Long Island, New York, and her family has more than one place, but it's where she spent most of her childhood, and then she came back for a few years, partied some with a friend of a friend of hers named Gatsby, and that was a lot of fun for a while, but now she lives in Chicago. She spends most of her time collecting books with a sort of hidden interest. She doesn't want this well-known, but she has a definite interest in occult books. Now, the problem with this is that it's not necessarily a willing collection, per se. She was abducted when she was young by some cultists, and she was taken to a remote building, and one day... They knocked her out, and she woke up, and she had what looked like a black tattoo consisting of tentacles, starting about halfway down her forearm and ending about on her wrist. And she managed to escape there, but though the building was found, there were no evidence of the cultists. So her family at first thought this was just a normal, well, not normal, but it was just an ordinary tattoo. It turns out it was not. She, one day, about a year or two later, for some reason, she was left alone in the family library for a few minutes. And when her nanny came back to check on her, she had climbed up about to get to this old book. And it looked very odd because... There was a nearby ladder, but she didn't use it. She instead physically climbed up these shelves. And there were what looked like a result of her falling a few times, but she was not deterred. She seemed to have been taken over by the desire to have this book. And once she was sort of brought down safely, she thankfully didn't have any permanent injuries, but... They opened the book and they saw it had in it, at one part, a depiction of that same tattoo, but no explanation for it. She has learned to control this, but this has led her to procure her books in less than legal manners. She's tried to have the tattoo removed and her family has used their connections to try and get it removed or researched, but nothing has really come up. And then one day when she's at her family's Chicago residence, by herself at this time, and she gets a communication from someone who claims to be connected with their family doctor, uh, Dr. Mans. 
he was her doctor for many years, and so she trusts him. So this person made great claims about how, after helping with this general favor, this mysterious favor, she would be able to have the mark removed. So she decided to go along with this and is now at the Chicago World's Fair. Fantastic, and we're so glad to have you. We do promise that even if it is not uh, necessarily something that we can remove, we will be working to identify it, as that is kind of our central prerogative as a company. Ah, all right. Might also help you out a little bit. We shall see. I'm always ready for a party. Thank you. Next up, we have... Hello. All right. Now... For curiosity's sake, would you tell me who you are? Me? Why, I'm Delilah Broadsworth. What is it that brought our attention to you here for today's work? Well, as you know, Broadsworth Steel, my father's company, funded partially. And I myself am an artist of some small fame, and as such I was given a booth, so... I was approached to uh, provide some insider information on the uh, layout of the Chicago World's Fair, as well as for my sparkling personality. Along with a dash of monetary recompense, if I'm not mistaken. Practical to have a little bit more. Well, if you insist. (laughs) Oh, we always do. In some way or another. So tell me, how are you presenting yourself this evening? As this is a rather elegant affair. Of course, I'm wearing the latest in 20s high fashion. Beads and pearls and gold and all. Marvelous. Mighty easy to fit in with other compatriots from the ownership of a variety of the steel companies in this great nation. Absolutely. No, the best way to fit in when everyone sparkles is to sparkle the brightest. Absolutely. Now, that being said, there is a dash of darkness behind your actual appearance today. If I'm not mistaken, you were uh, rather resistant at first to coming along. Oh, well, you know. I have a reputation to think about, of course. Of course, of course. And what of your work that is currently in the exposition? My work is, uh, well, it's nothing too special. I did get some rave reviews in one of these uh, fancy magazines, but I don't judge myself based on that. It's never up to standard. An artist's work is never done, of course. There was supposed to be a new painting that I was going to reveal here, but, you know, it's just not quite finished yet. Right, right. You know. Maybe a little dark and problematic for the circles in which you roam. You know, I was just in something of a state. It was the anniversary of my parents' death, after all. Of course. Anybody would be distraught. Yes, but, well, when they were packing, they went ahead and brought in anyway, and, well, that just can't do. It's, It's simply not meant for the general public. That one will have to stay personal, obviously. Yes, well... Hopefully you can get your hands on it as well during this, and it can, um, 
meander away from the exposition. Do you think that would be for the best? Oh, absolutely. Thank you very much, and I look forward to hearing more from you as we continue on through this evening's festivities. Thank you for coming to today's events. Hopefully, everything goes as planned. As many of our players have already made reference, this is actually happening in some actual time period, but this is a distinct world. The place where this is happening is inspired by a game that I have been running for many years, and this is kind of... uh, This references one of the inciting incidents for that world. As a steampunk story, its history is just a little bit separate from our own, with a couple of differences regarding science, magic, and the occult. So, let us begin with the setting. The year, 1927 event. The A Century of Progress International Exposition, also known as the Chicago World's Fair. Now, in this universe, it is pushed up five years from our reality which had happened in 1933. The topics of interest this year include a series of discoveries regarding a new natural resource, which there has been significant investment in by the steel companies of the world. This resource is, as of yet, unnamed. However, many people have been calling it Gravidian, based on how it interacts with lifting things into the air, like airships. To this end, the entire municipal pier has been turned into an exhibition on a small-scale application of this material to various artistic or scientific ends. This does also mean that we have artifacts from ancient times making reference to a kind of gaseous material which seemed to induce a a variety of different reactions in the humans, not the least of which is giving some the appearance of having flight. This small-scale application, artistic and commercial, is in contrast to the more industrial applications on display at Lincoln Park, just a couple of blocks north of the pier. Each of these guided by advances in research or archaeology, funded by this series of steel magnates. So, of course, they wanted to have a party to celebrate. Your employer, now, to each of you players, has hired each of you to attend a ball at the Grand Ballroom at the end of the Municipal Pier. It is being thrown by all of these magnates, who are seeing great income from the event. Now, of course, you haven't been invited to dance, mind you. The employer has need of you to uh, get something from the exhibition after hours. He said he would find you there. The dress is white tie formal, and he has neglected to share the subject of his interest. Though, judging from a few of your specialties, you may be aware of what it is. And one of you has actually been already contacted directly by this man to confirm locations and information about the actual item itself. All of these letters that you received across the nation, wherever you live, ended with a similar sign-off, quoting him directly. You see, wandering eyes have a tendency of finding value in selling information, you see. And we can't afford to be discovered. It's for the safety of humanity, you see. Each of you have your reasons for heeding his call, whether it's monetary gain, promised upon delivery, or something else. Something draws you here, and will be what drives you through the trials and tribulations ahead. A light rain begins to fall as the twilight sun fades into night, and each of you arrive to the pier through your own means. And I'd like to welcome all of you, players and listeners alike, to Call of Cthulhu, the Carousel of Mist. Happy Halloween. As we hear a little bit of how each of you arrive at the Naval Pier in Chicago, we can continue on with the same order, but this time, now that we have everybody listening in the same call, nose goes on the first person to arrive. Alrighty, Jake. Me? <clears throat> right. Ellis, how does Mr. Oscar arrive? 
He took a cab from his hotel. Was there a specific area of the location that we were told to go to? No, you were told to attend the ball. You were given a ticket. Cool. It is at the end of the naval pier, so you'd have to walk your way over there. It's a misty afternoon as you walk out along it. But you do make it in good time with the taxi cab, and in fact, are one of some of the first people to arrive. You see a variety of famous names and faces. You recognize people who have spoken about your works before. Nobody recognizes you, which is kind of the point. Where do you choose to hang out in this party? How are you interacting with people? Oscar would be just sociable enough to not draw attention, so not to look like a strange lurker, but also not talk to everyone. Fair enough, fair enough. Being pleasant. Making small talk. That will do. As our next person, let's have Miss Delilah. As I presume, to be the life of the party, you have to be there relatively early. Of course, of course. Delilah is flitting from person to person. It's her normal go-to for parties. She talks with all of her friends and the steel community, all of the other mm-hmm. steelworkers' children, and then she goes around and she greets everyone else, whether they know her or not. She's a butterfly, this one. You come away with many new friends, as there are a lot of unfamiliar faces at this party, maybe more than you were expecting, hearing that it was paid for by the steelworkers. And actually, I would like you to make our first roll of the evening. Okay. As I am just so curious how you might end up looking for all these people. Okay, so rolling is... It is 2d10, one of which you decide is your 10s place and one is your 1s place. And we're going to do it with your charm. My charm. So roll me a charm and... Okay. It has to be below your score. Below my score? Yes. Okay, so... My charm is 60, and I got a 95. (laughs) You do jump a little bit as the first little bit of thunder rings out. There is a little bit of weather coming in tonight, and you you feel that you might not have made a great impression. It was actually strangely hard to talk to these people this time. Hmm. Something must be off. It's fine. It's fine. They won't be seeing you for very much longer anyways. As we continue on, let's hear from... Maida. Well, Maida arrives in her family car, of course. She always wants to put her best foot forward, uh, appearance-wise. Absolutely. So she walks in and she makes what she would internally refer to as the rounds, greeting uh, people who are like friends of the family or friends of friends. A bit of a social butterfly, but also with more of a calculating way. Mm. She's interested in making connections, but she also knows that she has not been in Chicago for a little while. So she just wants to make sure that her family's name is sort of noted here, but that she is relatively not the center of attention, per se, but is definitely in people's minds. Fantastic. And as you do make those rounds, I do want to see how well you charm these people. Give me a charm roll. Okay. 
Oh, I rolled a 12. My charm is 50. You rolled a 12. A hard success. With that, you do make fairly good connections, and in fact, do run across our dear Delilah in her rounds. You do catch on to a lot of the new faces in these circles are familiar with each other. Mm. And there is a little bit of, of clickiness going on in this party. It's kind of curious. You do seem to be held in high esteem by the members of this new group of people. This, this is kind of a mixing pot, as you will, for East and West Coast. Mm. It makes sense to you. All right. With that, let us hear Amelia. How goes your approach and entrance into this party? Amelia is also dropped off by her family driver, and she instructs him to pick her up later. A bit of a long drive, but they arrived early so everyone can be rested. He's been working for her family for a while, because of being old money. And as she enters, she's friendly with most, but she's specifically looking to find other academics and mix and mingle with them. Help boost her standing. She's a little bit of an odd duck. This is a party of aristocratic elites, so you do see a variety of people with class rings on and different things like that, but the actual members of this group, which are professors in some capacity, seem to be few and far between. You do, I think, run across our friend Nicodemus as he will arrive shortly, but would you also roll me a charm, just for curiosity's sake, as to how this group handles your arrival? What's my charm if I didn't put anything in it? It's the number that is right next to it. So, 15. Oh, goody. Damn it, I got a 16. Ooh. Now, this is where we will introduce the opportunity to spend luck points to fix a roll a little bit. Or you can push it and try to roll again. I think I'll save my luck for later. All right. You are met relatively coldly by all of these people as you uh, try to strike up interesting conversations about the origin of life, or the origin of the new material, as you realize that they're all talking about it, but this is a problematic crowd, tight-lipped to say the least, rather introverted to say the most. Now, as we continue on into the evening, it's not for very long, but now our dear Oscar, how are you arriving to this? I believe you meant Nicodemus. Oh, I do mean Nicodemus, sorry. Yes, I was like, Oscar's already the there. The <laughs> Oscar arrives again, wait, what? <laughs> okay. That would make an interesting story. That's one way to be a legend party. It's a time loop. So it's later in the evening? It is not. We're wishy-washy here on time. Fair enough. Nicodemus arrived to the location in a cab. As he steps out, it is clear that he came straight from work. He has his briefcase in his hand, and he is in his business suit. As he walks into the venue, he seems wholly uninterested in talking to just about anyone, and instead heads for the refreshment table and manages to pick up a few uh, appetizers. He then heads over to the nearest pier where he can take a smoke. Fair enough. Out- outdoors? Yes, as long as it isn't raining too hard. It is 
I'm just starting to sprinkle a little bit. And out on this pier is where one of the attendants to the party does find you. But there's a variety of butlers around and hands you a note. Each of you, in fact, as you are mingling and moving around the party, receive a different note, just as one of the members of this cadre kind of begin to give a little bit of a speech. The speech goes on for some amount of time before you are encountered by the butler, and makes reference to this being the most important night of their lives, being free from their pasts, a variety of relatively sketchy and problematic statements that, when said by people that have too much money, always speaks poorly for everybody else. Now, each of you is handed this little note by a waiter who doesn't particularly seem to be matching everybody else as his hair is very much still wet as he recently arrived. And he has a small brooch with five overlapping rings on his lapel, something different from the rest of the uh, relatively uniformed waiters that are around. He hands you the note, smiles knowingly, and vanishes into the night. Significant thunder tonight. The storm does seem to be picking up a little bit. Says Amelia on edge, and it's probably also between that and the dead room name, is probably why a lot of people are avoiding her. That is quite reasonable. The, the note says to meet your benefactor outside of the exposition hall as there is a little bit of a plaza out front of the ballroom on the upper deck of the pier each of you make your way outside and find a relatively corpulent gentleman he is very well kept though his black three-piece suit is beating up the rain giving him a an almost ethereal look though his hair betrays the weather Water is streaming down his unprotected forehead. He leans on his cane with the weight of a man distracted by bigger problems, and his eyes become shadowed as he turns to you. Oh, looks like most of you made it. Miss Josephine Costello was meant to be joining us today, but she doesn't seem to be present. Looks like your reward just got a little bit higher. Each of you have been provided with a description of the item in question, a book penned in the late 1400s by a monk from a monastery in Seville. The outer binding has turned black over the ages, and the illuminated title has long since worn off. You'll know the book by the mark on the front cover. Regarding extraction, as we know what we are here for, I will be heading towards... He is slightly distracted as a gust of wind blows across the deck. The storm is picking up now. One of these ferries that are parked near the shore. You'll know it by the ra- by, because it has the running lights on. The trip won't be long, but it should be long enough to push suspicion off you all. And you should be able to make it here and make it back to wherever you need to go with some amount of uh, anonymity. Payment will be delivered to your accommodations in the city on the morrow after you hand the book to me tonight. You understand investor safety. If you abscond with the object, we don't exactly want to be funding your escape. So, well, I will be seeing you soon. Be careful out there. Remember, you are each specialists in, in something specific. And that is why you have been hired, so lean into that, please. The hounds are out in force tonight. Toodaloo. And he makes his way through the heavily pouring rain down along one of the side walks outside of the building itself, which you are meant to infiltrate. The rain begins to beat down more, and there is a covered doorway nearby for the building itself, where you can get away from the weather to discuss your plans and, I guess, to be acquainted with who now you are seeing are people from the party 
but each of them having a bit of a standout interest, a look in their eye, uh, a desire for something. Elia also looks very, very displeased to be damp. <laughs> Oscar will immediately head for that bit of shelter, and uh, his hand is noticeably over his pocket, where his pocket watch chain is dangling. He just looks a bit uncomfortable. Quite reasonable on this uh, windy night. Amelia's following with her large umbrella. Delilah's following Amelia, yeah. Yeah, Mado also heads over, maybe muttering about the water affecting her appearance, but quickly moving there. Yeah, Nicodemus was already under there. Immediate penguin huddle. <laughs> So we're after this book, is it? This can be quite valuable. Mr. Keeper, how much do I already know about this book? What do you know about this book? Is it the book or the installation that you have knowledge on? I helped with the installation. Okay. You know that it is in one of the rooms that has large gallery windows. It is stored with other relatively similar cultural artifacts. You know that there is a electricity display room, which is also conveniently providing the light for the entire place. And you also know that currently the lights are out. Amelia recognize anything from the description of the book or the symbol? They are wholly unfamiliar to you, specifically. Does Meta recognize anything about the book or the symbol? You have not seen the book itself. However, you have mentioned a little bit about the symbol to the person who hired you, because you discussed personally, and they noticed a mark on your hand. But however, they did not seem to speak about that mark with any familiarity, so it probably doesn't have the same mark that is on your hand. My hands are gloved, have long gloves on them, so the other characters cannot see them. Right. Yeah, Amelia's also loved. Well, if we're to be compatriots for the evening, we should be familiar with one another, yes? I'm Delilah. Yes, I heard you from across the room. How wonderful. (laughs) My name is Oscar Hughes. I'm not from around here, but it's a pleasure to make all y'all's acquaintance. Yours as well, Oscar. I'm not sure if we've run in the exact same circles, Delilah, but I'm Meta. Pleasure to meet you. To meet all of you as well. Yeah, yeah, Devereaux. Probably more academic circles, but to quite a few parties in my time. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, does anyone have ideas about what our first step should be? Well, obviously, we need to get in the building. Is this door unlocked? Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Clunk, clunk. It is in fact locked. There is a lock on the front. Couldn't we also make sure there aren't, as our benefactor said, hounds about Nicodemus? Perhaps so. And I look for police or guards. Perhaps so. Nicodemus, I do believe that you are aware of a service entrance on the north side of the pier. Well, I didn't want to go through this door anyway. Let's take the service entrance. And he begins to walk through the rain. The service entrance does have a guard. 
but you are socialites in some capacity. You might be able to persuade. Any of y'all good at talking? This place has a guard booth. But if there are anything like the guard booths at the fair, it should be easy to charm with feminine wiles or things of that nature. I have been known to make a persuasive argument from time to time. Nicodemus takes a look at Oscar for a second, raises his eyebrows and says, Well, I guess you're welcome to give it a shot. Will you be leading the way, Mr. Oscar? I suppose I shall. Fantastic. Then, heading down to the north side of the building, you do take note of a variety of glass window galleries here up on the top floor. The service entrance, of course, being down a deck. You can go down those stairs with no particular issue, though it is getting mighty wet out, as the storm does seem to be picking up a little bit of intensity. Moderate encouragement to get a... No. We lost a person. Here we go. Welcome back. Mystic Cthulhu showed up. There's a little staircase to t- take you down a little bit closer to the surface of Lake Michigan, but nothing too problematic. You're still a good, like, story above the water. Like, there's no... You've got tons of space. Yeah, you're still uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. As you approach this uh, side door north, the VIP entrance, you do see a, a bit of a uh, cordoned layout. You wouldn't be surprised if any of the people at the ball would be queuing up through that line tomorrow whenever the show actually opens up. And you can see that while the lights in the rest of the building are off, there is a little bit of light coming through the glass door of this entrance. How are you coming into this space? A little light in the glass door, you say. Mm-hmm. Is the door unlocked? It is not unlocked. But there is a bell next to the door that you can ring to be lit. I think Meta would maybe take a step back and try to not be, like, at least immediately seen if anyone comes out through the store as a sort of backup plan. Oscar, if you need a backup, I could try and make something up, but I'm mostly leaving this to you. I see. I believe that Oscar would be better at making excuses than I am due to his background. He's been thinking on the way here. What is the name of the people hosting this event? Or multiple names? San Francisco Steam and Holdings, I do believe, is one of the major companies that negotiated for this event to be happening. Their flagship cuts a, uh, a striking silhouette off in the misty distance in that north part of the industrial uh, exposition. Right, well, uh, let me know if this sounds good to the rest of you, but I'm thinking that Mr. Nicodemus and I, we pose as people who work here, and we ran across you three ladies stuck out here in the rain, and rather than making you walk around to the front, we're just going to escort you through the building where it's dry. Would certainly be appreciated for a number of reasons. Sounds plausible. Alright, yes, let's try that. Do I think it's plausible? I mean, security's rather tight, but uh, you're sure that uh, some of could probably do fly out in the traffic. Three young ladies got lost in the rain in an unfamiliar area. And they surely had to be well off to be at the ball. Or well connected. Yes. There are reasons for the guards to be there. 
But, Nicodemus, you don't see any immediate issue with this. Eh, probably good enough. Alright, then Oscar will approach the door with that story prepared. Before Oscar actually rings, Meta will go back to make it not just seem why they're just two instead of three. Fair enough, fair enough. Alright, Oscar, as you reach up and press the bell button, you can see where this light is coming from, because you can see through the door, and you can see that there is a night watchman kind of sitting behind a desk. There is a couple of doors behind him in a otherwise unremarkable room. This is an expo center, basically, so there is not, like, homely decor. It's just a space that is being used. And as you do that, the man kind of wakes out of his slumber, looks and picks up his lantern, walks towards the door, clicks it, unlocked, opens the door and says, come in, come in. It's rainy out, come on. Closes the door behind everybody. Locks. Says, all right. What are y'all here for? Oscar will repeat the story of these ladies being lost in the heavy rain and us giving them direction. All right. Go ahead and roll me a persuasion. All right. As the guard is probably not wanting to be ratted out for having slept that long. Alright. My persuade score is 60, and I have rolled a 13. Hard success. He says, well, that's a likely story, but that's not the weirdest one I've heard all night. People have been coming in and out pretty much constantly. Now, y'all go ahead and take care. Be careful. The lights are off. I do hope some of y'all have, like, lighters or something. It's a, It can get a treacherous in there. You'll understand, I have to keep my lantern with me. Do you have any lanterns with you we can borrow? Uh, I'm a guard. I'm not a lantern man. My, my apologies. And I'm an engineer, but I guess that doesn't matter. Oscar does carry a lighter. It's not much light, but it will be better than nothing. I'd say Mida probably does as well, because she is holding her cigarette. She, yeah, she's probably in the process of actually relighting the cigar that went out because it was raining outside. <laughs> yeah, that might have been part of the anno- annoyed mutterings. <laughs> it looks like y'all will be uh, relatively well served. Just don't be in there too long. I do understand. You want to, you know, make good with your uh, acquaintances that you're you're making and you want to present well to your company and all that good stuff. So just don't cause any problems for me and I won't cause any problems for you. Fair enough. Much appreciated. I might turn on the lights for a bit, just for safety. I am an engineer. Sure, that that sounds great. Every everything's fine. Move along, move along. All right. Just as he says that, everybody hears a loud pop, echoing through the building. Not like a gunshot pop, like a pipe breaking pop. And the guard says, "Brainstorm." Anyways, everything's fine. Move, move along, move along. Out. Are you sure that's something we should be concerned about? That didn't sound like a good noise. It's fine. Everything's fine. You know which area did it come from? That way we can try to avoid it. Ma'am. Shit, they wouldn't cause any problems. That is so far above my pay grade. I'm here to look at this door and let people that make way more money than me every minute walk past me. That's my job. 
You do it very well. Appreciate it. Now, move along, move along. Oh, engineer guy, as you open one of the doors and go through. There is an electrical room, like, uh, is it upstairs, I think? Second floor on the right, huh? Yeah, yeah, the the electrical thingamajig. That should be able to hook up to the lighting system. If not, you can always go down below and do something about it. Yep, yep, okay. Thunder does urge you on into the next room, where you do find yourself in what is labeled as the central hall. In large words, hanging above a large fountain in the middle of the room. The room itself is maybe about a hundred feet around. There is something about circular buildings that definitely uh, caught the imagination in the most recent years. It is a multiple-tiered fountain, and currently it is off. There is also a series of large Egyptian statues surrounding the area. What is everybody interested in looking for or doing in this room? Amelia's first going to go to the Egyptian statue since she's studied ancient religions just out of curiosity. All right, all right. Then go ahead and roll me a history roll as you try to ascertain exactly what time period this is from. Got 11. Got 11? And my history is 50. Nice. With that hard success, if I'm not mistaken, you do ascertain that this is actually a series of statues you've never heard of, of before. You're quite certain that you remember your Egyptian lessons and classes and books that you've been reading, but these these are odd statues, that's for sure. As opposed to the usual relatively uniform and placid death masks that the gods are, are meant to wear in these mouths closed and all, uh, golden faces, these seem a little bit more lifelike. And one does catch your eye as the head of a canine, a desert jackal. Its mouth is furrowed back and it's baring its fangs. Certainly not your usual fare. Odd. I've never seen a neighbor's portrayed this way. Wonder where they found these. Amelia says as she's examining the statues. There's a rather intimidating... We don't have time for sightseeing. Mm-hmm. As I, th- I thought I knew all of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. I'm going to research later, and she pulls out a notebook and jots something down. And then sticks it back into her bag. What else would the rest of you like to be doing? I'd like to try and get my bearings to see where we came in versus where thing is, where all the exhibits are situated. All right. You came in through the north side of a room which is oriented west-east. On the west side of the room, you do see a bit of a grand staircase made of crystal and steel, which goes up to the second floor. And on the lower level, you see one entryway that goes into a bit of a hallway. There is also a doorway straight across from you on the south side of the hall, which might be another entrance. And there is also kind of that grand entrance doorway which you were hiding under before, which is up a little, another set of staircases off to the east side of the room. What is Oscar's familiarity with the book in question? Oscar's familiarity with the book in question is... It's a little bit questionable right now, as 
you haven't actually seen the book that you're looking for. Though it seemed that in one of your books kind of caught the eye of this group as a pseudo-prophetic situation where they were like, wow, this is a whole series of things that are a lot more accurate than they probably should be. This is probably someone that we should keep tabs on. So as far as the actual book that you're looking for, you have a feeling it's one of those you'll know it when you see it kind of situation. Ah. So meta question, would Amelia be familiar with Oscar's books, even if she doesn't know it's Oscar that wrote them? Uh, yes. Okay. Though I don't think that you would make, be making that connection right now. Roll me a library use, just to see how familiar you would be with the books in general to be able to bring them up in a moment's notice. I will say that, actually, there's nothing going on right now that would inspire that from this book. That's why I said that was meta-related, but just so I know. Sure. Technically, all of you have read these books. Okay, we all have? Okay. That okay. was going to be my question, if Meta has. Bathroom reading. Yes, yeah, so where are you planning on going from here? Or is there anything else that you would like to investigate? Am I familiar with the layout of the building to have a general guess where it would be? Or do I need to find a map? As far as layout, you know that the upper floor is a kind of outdoor display area where there's a variety of different things that might be practical. I do believe that there is a electrical generator hooked up to the large Ferris wheel, which is up on the second level. There is also food wagons, which might have all, also have their own power, and uh, yeah, there's a, a variety of things on the upper level which might be practical to have. But it's open air. It is mostly open air, yes. Gotcha. Is there a light switch nearby? Yes, you're welcome to look for one. Roll me a spot hidden. Does anyone look to see if there's a map of this area? That is two. Ooh! So, extreme success. An extreme success. You do see that right next to the door to the south, there is a panel with switches. Well, it'll be a lot easier to find what we're looking for if there's some light. I'm gonna go turn on some lights. Alright, as he's going to do that, is anybody else looking more around the room? Miss Delilah, I do believe that you were looking to catch your bearings. Would you like to look a little more closely to see if there's, like, a map or anything? Yes. Alrighty, roll me that spot hidden as well. We are in the dark, after all. For now. Okay, so my spot hidden is 50, and I got a 38. A success. You do see that out in front of the fountain, which is currently turned off, there is a bit of a podium that has some brochures on it. I'm sure that that would have a map of some type to assist you with. May I take one of the brochures, if Delilah doesn't? You can, absolutely. Right. You see in the brochure listed a variety of different rooms, highlighted. A lot of smaller, small consumer electronics displays are upstairs, with a variety of maybe useful knickknacks, but they are on display after all. But the area down below is of relatively significant interest, as it has the electricity showroom, the steam power showroom, the cultural arts showroom, and the art gallery. It looks like this cultural arts showroom may be the best option to look for first. 
That's what I was thinking as well. Birds of a feather, I suppose. The upper level plaza also contains a large Ferris wheel, a machine of infinite curiosities, and a series of different moving water features, which seem to be able to operate without help. So I will allow you, you both to continue. Yes, that does seem the most logical option to find what we're looking for. Other things seem interesting. I can always come back later and look at them. Still want to find out where they got these statues. Mr. Nicodemus, does one of the switches you found have a mention of this cultural exhibition? How far away am I from the rest of the group? Not too far. Within the hearing shot. Okay. As you do pull up to the switches, you see that they are unlabeled, as most useful switches are. And as you click the first one, you realize there is no power to this panel. Ugh. Gosh darn it. Click, 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 click. I guess it doesn't matter at this point. There's no power at the moment. Alright, so... It's probably for the best. We don't want people knowing exactly where we are. So I was wondering why you wanted to light it up at all. That would be shining a beacon on the fact that we are in here. Well, we're not the only ones in here. Didn't you hear the guard? Yes, there's been people in and out all evening. That's... Hmm. Oh, yes, but if we suddenly turn the power on, that would look strange, wouldn't it? Well, I think the power being off is the strange thing here. If there's been people in and out, why would they turn the power off between visits? Perhaps that's what that noise was earlier. Perhaps something with the electricity? Could I make that summation? Based on the sound? We'll give it a shot. Give me that electrical repair roll, just to see. That's a 14. 14, hard success. Yeah. I mean, you've heard electrical things make noises like that before, but this particular one kind of echoed in a, in a more structural way. It might be like uh, the creaking of the building from the storm that is that is coming in. It is, after all, a relatively high wind storm. Could be natural, but I'm not fully certain. Imagine a building on a pier and this kind of storm's not good. I, d I don't like it very much. Well, I guess for now we'll just kind of fumble around in the dark and hopefully not run into anybody else. Revelry in the dark? On that pamphlet, there is a little bit of a map that does show you where that electrical showroom is. Perhaps if we go there, we can at least get some light. Yeah. And with it being dark, we can always claim that we're just lost. Of course. With all these women folk here, that'd be easy. That is a rather odd qualification for that statement, Mr. Nicodemus, but I don't tend to know your reasoning. Ah, uh, that's perfectly natural. Well, then it's good us women folk have a map, isn't it? Quite. You've been quite useful. All right. Well, like, I read more books when I was a teenager than you'll read in your life. Come now, don't fight. Let's move on, shall we? I'd rather not be in the dark in a storm any longer than I have to. That sounds like a wonderful idea, Mr. Oscar. Agreed. Very much so. 
And as you begin to make your way out of the room, the thought of these creatures that are depicted on these statues has kind of been nagging on your mind, Amelia. Now, not related particularly to the specialties which you hold, but it is curious that these are here. And you stop and you look at the fountain, and you realize it's made of the same material. It's a kind of a sandstone that, as it goes down to the bottom, gets a little bit darker. She's going to, as she's passing by, just run her finger along it. Currently, it feels maybe a little bit hot. It's weird. As you now enter the lower display room hall, you enter a hallway. It has five exits, all of which are labeled on your map. And from here, you can hear a distinct trickle of water coming from the steam room. Can we see any water trickling from the steam room into the hallway? Nope, seems to be fairly clear. Alright. Where'd y'all want to look first? I believe we were going to the electrical room to see if we could find a light source. Well, that sounds good to me. Heads over to the electrical room. Alright, with everybody following in line. As you enter, you see a space that is maybe about... 80 feet deep away from the door and about 300 feet further down along. It is a rather large display room where there's a variety of practical things, from prototype vehicles that use electricity to power themselves or home electrical grid layouts. There's a variety of things, all of which have wires that seem to run to one of the corners of the room where there's a small collection of different types of generators. Now, Nicodemus, you are aware of the function of a couple of these generators as your past company used to design them using some of that gravitation technology to almost create a self-powering situation. Relatively dangerous to use under untrained hands, but you're pretty sure you know how to use it. Just like old times. Praxis knuckles. Nasty habit. All right. Which skill would you like to use to apply to this? Let's go with electrical repair. All right. Roll me an electrical repair as you attempt to operate this machine. I'm pretty sure machine operation is one of the options that we had, wasn't it? I do have operate heavy machinery, and I have mechanical repair. Yes, let's use your operate heavy machinery. That is more precisely what this is. All right, we'll do that. Oof. I rolled a 90, and my skill was 40. Ooh, spicy. Gosh darn it. As you attempt to get the San Francisco Steam patented generator to work, you are tinkering with it, and and you think, oh, it's just got to be like this, this, this couple of things, and you hit the button fully, expecting it to fire up as quietly as they usually do, and instead you get hit in the face with an emergency release of the Gravidium, which was apparently overstocked in the machine itself, stopping it from working properly. I need you to roll me a little bit of a sanity check. Gosh, okay, is that a... Please be careful and watch what you're doing. That's a one. That's a one. That is a, a super success. Indeed with an ease that has been well-practiced over many years and well-thought-out as you've been trying to figure out ways to break these things, you catch that it could have done that. However, it doesn't. As you consciously 
hit the release valve on the high pressure and release some of it into the room. Maida, since you are actually smoking, you do not smell this. But the other three do. You smell the, the after effect of this material, and it smells a little bit like iron. A little sickly sweet, but nobody takes it straight to the face. As Nicodemus, finally getting everything settled, hits a button, and with a kind of low, bassy hum, the machine starts up. However, no lights seem to turn on. It's not connected to anything yet. Gosh darn it. <sighs> this is a display model, after all. Oh, wonderful. You got it working. Now what? Is it supposed to smell like that? What smell? I don't smell anything. Wonder why. Smells like the city. It would. Pretty iron smell. It does kind of pervade city life nowadays. Look at the imagination. At least I know that if we hook anything up to this, it'll light up. Should. Definitely. Then I suppose we should find something that lights up. Yeah, looking around, what can I hook this up to that would be useful? I've been trying to find some cables nearby. Would anyone like to help him in finding these cables? I'll help. Yes, please. I can try. Alright. One of you, roll me a spot hidden. As we are still technically in the dark. I'll unvolunteer myself. Just barely a 49 <laughs> from 50. <laughs> Perfect. You just spot some cables nearby, and you're like, yeah, it's probably that. Will these help? <laughs> Perfect. Nicodemus, as you investigate these cables and look at them, you realize that through the absolute luck of one of these untrained people, she just randomly happened to hand you literally the right cables. <laughs> Beautiful. Smart cookie. All right. So I'll go and hook it up with enough care to not be stupid. That is probably wise. You're welcome to use now the electrical repair skill with a bonus dice? I think that's how you do it. Because you're aware of what you're doing. Okay. It's like advantage, but I think it's using another N as your tens place. Gotcha, yeah. And I picked the lower. Great. That's 28. My thing's 60. Nice. So that would be considered a hard success. Nice. Fantastic. With that hard success, you hook it up and lights begin to shine down the hallway back from where you came. And you do begin to hear the gurgle of the water fountain as it has also been turned on. The room that you are in is still dark, but that's probably because there's a switch somewhere for it. Well. I did something. There we go. Certainly did. If anybody else is here, uh, we'll see them. Mm -hmm. Along with that gurgle, the entire group hears a kind of a frustrated <sighs> yell, feminine in tone, and footsteps as they seem to trudge up some stairs and open a door and then slam it. Goodness. Seems someone didn't like us doing that. I suggest we continue quickly. The sooner we're done, the better. And there was mention of someone else that they tried to hire. Maybe someone's trying to get to it before us. Maybe so. More reason to be very quick. 
Let's go. I want to see that book for myself. Oscar, hearing Delilah say, well, someone didn't like that, just makes you think for a moment. And you remember that in one of your stories, there was something about running water. Is it occult? Yes, roll me an occult check. That I can do. That sentence kind of tickles your mind. Nice. I'm very happy with my choice of dice today. That is a 16, and my top score is 70, so I believe that is a hard success. Yes. That'd be extreme. You said 16? Yes, 16. 16 is actually higher than the score that you have for the the ultimate success. So, you have a hard success as opposed to extreme. That is good. You do remember that there is a series of occult creatures that seem to dislike being near running water. And that running water was used in the past as a means of capturing or controlling these beings. It's just an interesting note. The water started running, and this person like, and left. Hmm. That's a thing. That's a mighty curious. It's like, uh, like cockroaches at night. If you turn on the lights, they scatter. Let's get going before they come back. Could be the light. Could be. All right, ladies, where are we going now? The cultural exhibit. The cultural room. Yes. We've been over this. Yes. Did you not hear us a few moments ago? Oh, he was busy trying to figure out the lights. We can't hold that against him too hard. As we start walking, Oscar is going to look for any sort of container that he might see around that he might be able to get to, something that could hold water. In an electrical display room. Good question. Roll me a spot hit. Right, here we go. A trash can. Oh, that's not good. I rolled an 81. Right. I don't think you find anything. But as you are looking around, you do notice that the windows of this room are rather large. Glass. It really looks like the storm is picking up. Could be danger on the horizon. As lake spray is being blown against the glass. Kind of gives the reflection of the room a bit of a distorted feeling. Uh, Noticing that, Oscar's going to pick up his pace a little bit and start leading the way, if he can, to the cultural arts room. Alright. Anyone else? I think Amelia notices that the rain is picking up and she sniffs her nose up. And also, her gloves being wet is getting to the point where she can't stand it anymore, so I think she's slip them off and trying to wring them out. Get some of the water off of it so there's less wet things touching her. And she's going to slip them back on. That's reasonable. As you do take notice of the storm, would you roll me a sanity check? As you look out into the window, the spray kind of fades down, and just across the lake you can kind of see a set of woods, and out in the middle of the lake it looks relatively peaceful, you can see a kind of a boat. Rolled a one over my sanity score. Ooh. <laughs> Chief freezes, staring out the window. She sees that boat. Yes. 
And you are going to take one d6 off of your sanity. So roll, roll me a d6. I got a five. Five, alrighty. Go ahead and subtract that from your sanity. As you do, freeze for almost a minute. I think she might have frozen in the middle of putting her gloves on. She only has, like, one on. It's not the one that covers the missing digit. And now, because it was a loss of five or more, you are going to pick up the phobia. That smell of blood is still floating in the air a little bit from the machine being released. And those two things linking together, all of a sudden you can't stand the, the possibility or the sight of it. You start to push towards Oscar, towards the head of the group, in an effort to get out of this room. She eventually remembers to put the other one Come on. I just want to get this done with. Get out of here. Get it done. Wringing her hands. Using to look at the windows. Now, for the rest of you, what are you what are you up to as you're heading out of this room? I'm single-minded. Mado would make sure that whatever the trickling water was hasn't reached the electrical room yet. I would assume even by this point it would be understood. Water plus electricity equals bad. Yeah, probably. You're welcome to look for that. Give me a... As this is still visibly impaired situation. Actually, let's do it with a listen. Alright, that was a 68. With a 68. No, not quite, not quite. Not, not, not close, but thank you. <laughs> not close. Though it does seem to be fine. I will say that you do hear something else, though. You do hear footsteps echoing behind you, following you. Behind the group or behind me personally? On the far side of this large room, heading your direction, as you are walking away. Maida, I think, would like to draw her pistol and try to sidle deeper into the shadows, see why she or they are being followed. Roll me a stealth as you try to hide out of the way. Do you say anything to your compatriots who are surrounding you currently? I'd whisper it. Be quiet, we're not alone. And then I would go. Ooh, okay. I never know. <laughs> no, I rolled double zeros and a one. Oh, that's a critical success. That is a super success. You fade into the darkness as the rest of the group makes their way also out of view, and you kind of hang back a little bit to see what this is. And the footsteps, you hear them continue, 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 and they stop right at the point where the puddle of water from Amelia's gloves is. It's just outside of your range of vision from here. It's currently freaking out a little bit. Freaking out quietly, but freaking out a little bit. Okay, so millions run off. There's footsteps. Do the footsteps sound like normal human footsteps? Like shoes or heels? These are probably shoes. Hard leather. Alright, since they sound like normal human shoes, they end at the water. I think she would wait a beat or two more to see what happens. Like, if they walk away... I don't think she would try to move closer necessarily, because then they could have a greater chance of seeing her. Okay. With that, roll me a luck check. Ooh, that's 85. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my luck's relatively good, but no. The footsteps seem to have stopped completely. And after 
a beat. You can still hear your compatriots out in the hallway now. You realize you're, be- you're being left behind a little bit by them. And begin to step out and see, dressed very, very nicely, very formally, a rather thin gentleman who is, his toes are right up against the puddle of water. He's looking straight down at the puddle. Has he seemed to notice me, or is his complete attention given to this puddle? His complete attention was on the puddle. And as you go to try to react to seeing that he is distracted and are going to move away, the head pops up. And you see the eyes are black wells. There's a little glint of something wet deep inside the eye. And roll me a sanity. Okay. (laughs) That's not great. Ooh, okay, that's a 65. So that's not great. That is spicy. And with that, I will need you to roll a d6. Okay. Four. Four. Okay, it is below the five threshold for adding the extra fear. However, you do have a moment of knee-jerk reaction of, oh god, and you run out loudly and unstealthily. And the rest of, rest of the group, having heard that and, like, waiting quietly in the hallway to see what was going on, you see, you hear her, clop, 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 and she, ma- she arrives, breathing heavy, the, yeah, unpleasant experience. What happened? So she still has her gun drawn. Yes. <laughs> yes. What are you doing? Miss Maida? <sighs> there was, there was someone, some, well, one maybe a bit of a, uh, um, there was someone following us. He looked at the puddle from your gloves, Amelia, but it, he looked up after a moment and he, it, it, it was not right. Um, it seemed his eyes were like black pools, no, no cornea or iris or anything, just pure black. So, we have company, but don't know if we're going to be followed. Is this ringing any bells? People that know occult stuff? Yeah, would this be ringing any bells? That's a good question. I mean, does this match what Oscar was thinking about earlier, about the creatures that are afraid of water? The description that you have of those creatures does not match up Oscar. Amelia, go ahead and roll me an occult check. Actually, I think that this would be a Cthulhu Mythos check because it is identifying something from that. So yes, roll me a Cthulhu Mythos check to see if you can identify this creature. Oh, if it was an occult, I would have gotten it, but I got a 21. Right. Occult is 60. It does not ring a bell. This is beyond anything in your scope. Do you have the thought of the statues in the Egyptian room again? But that's that's about all. A lot of weird here, and she's still kind of wringing her hands. Seems to be like holding one hand. Miss Maida, I'm sure it was very scary, but are you sure that's what you saw? I mean, it was very dark in that room. There was nobody else in that room except us. Doesn't mean people can't sneak up. Let's keep going ahead. Yeah. Well, let's be a little more cautious about what's behind us, perhaps. Yes, just in case. We do know at least one other person is here, because we heard them run away. Right. 
And I don't know if this is connected. Watch where you're waving that gun. It's for protection. I won't use it against any of you unless it's need be. So I put it back first. Now that you are all in the hallway, you do clearly hear the sound of the multiple-tiered waterfall out in the central hall, ringing kind of throughout the building. I don't suppose any of you have a container in which we could carry some water along with us. I don't know if this is connected to anything, but there is, in my research, talk of creatures that are afraid of water. I don't know whether any of you believe in that sort of thing, but I like to be cautious. I believe perhaps more than most, and I've got this. Amelia pulls a flask out. It's almost empty anyway. How it gets you with social, social functions. Many of my colleagues are a bit full of themselves. I understand that. If I may, I would like to fill that flask with the water from the fountain. Well, how does this go? Is everybody else going to the cultural arts showroom? It's relatively close by. Yeah, that's where Nicodemus is going. I think Amelia, out of curiosity to see if anything's changed about the fountain now that the water's on, she's gonna go, but she's also, that sounds gutter nervous. All right. And the other two? I'm probably gonna go in. Split the party, slip the party. I don't want to be near that thing, whatever it is. So I, I'm, I'm okay with just going into the next room. Oh, going into the cultural arts sounds good. Yes, with others. Yes. I want to get away from the thing. Yes. And Delilah? I'm going to do something stupid. Ooh, I'm a big Yes. (laughs) I'm going to go to the art gallery while everyone else is distracted. Oh. All right. Okay. That sounds reasonable. That sounds all right. Everyone's already gone everywhere else. So, let us begin with our friends at the water fountain. Oscar, are you going one-track mind, or are you being a little cautious as you enter this room? I'm a little bit cautious. A little bit cautious? Alrighty. Then, as you kind of shield your eyes from the lights that are up above, kind of floodlights filling up the space, making the outside look considerably darker than it should be, Give me your stealth as you are trying to be careful as you go in. Stealth, okay. Not a great skill for me. My stealth is a 20, and I rolled a 49. Does Amelia need to roll too? No, you're not trying to stealth. Yeah. All right, Oscar, as you are the first to enter this room, you will note the fountain is full of water. And through the sheets of water that are falling down the different tiers, just as you walk into the room, you catch the last moments of somebody in a bright red dress running up the stairs, and then you hear the, the slamming of the door behind them. They were obscured by the fountain. Does it feel like a time loop situation? Like this is the same running up the stairs and door slamming as happened a minute or two ago? No, these are at the same moment. Things move relatively quickly, and this hallway's not super long. So it would be the kind of thing of, like, you start to hear them as they enter the central room. And you start hearing that, and that's what you heard last time. And as you go in here, now you're seeing them finish that. Gotcha. Yeah. 
I'll point that out to Amelia, I guess, and be like, well, there went somebody. And then continue towards the fountain to get water. All right. Amelia, what are you up to as you're entering this room? Hearing this from Oscar. So you really hope that doesn't turn problematic. Her eyes are going to go first to the statues, because she's still trying to figure them out. All right. Well, without much difficulty, roll me an occult roll as you look at the statues. Oh, come on. Roll the 98. Ooh. That's a fumble. Significant fumble. All right. Then I think as you're looking at the statues, you look up at their faces and you realize that their heads seem totally different to what they were just a moment ago. Last time you looked at them, they were snarling, their, their fangs bared, but now their faces are completely classic. She just kind of letters under her breath. What the hell? Probably a little bit more significant than that, since I am going to need a sanity from you, because it's a fumble. And as it sets in that you were looking at and almost touching this type of extremely threatening symbol of the occult. My dice have a story they want to tell. I rolled one point higher than I did last time. <laughs> All righty. I got an 81. Oh my god, an 82. Like, I, this is what I wanted. <laughs> All righty. Roll me a d6. You're here to tell a story, apparently. I've... <laughs> I've, again... Okay. Well, remove the next five off of your sanity. That might be what she starts doing. Well, now your water phobia is, is significant. And you're going to see the fountains rolling, and you're going to look down the statue, and you're going to notice that they actually get darker towards the bottom. And slicked black. And for a moment, you're like, could this be? And then the whole thing hits you at the same time. These statues are related to blood sacrifices in ancient, ancient Egypt. The water fountains were used by the worshippers to keep evil demons at bay. And this is a complete set. And it terrifies And you run away. I want reaction. Roll me a d4. Four. Right. With a four, Oscar will dip down a little flask up with water, and as you turn around, you hear Amelia scream and run. Just full tilt run away from you. Feet slipping on the floor and everything. And as you go to say something to attempt to console or something, you just see her turn left into one of the rooms. Now, we turn to the first half of the party, who has gone into the cultural arts showroom. Now, for the two of you, this is a... Well, both of you have different reactions to this. As Nicodemus and Maida are of slightly different walks of life. Nicodemus, this does remind you, this is definitely the room where you were doing setup just a little bit earlier. They've done a little bit more primping, there's more decoration, there's more stuff in here, but, like, you recognize where the wires are up in the ceiling. It's a kind of a uncovered ceiling, so you can see the wiring, but it has, like, hanging lights that would be lit. And, Maida, this is kind of a treasure trove for you. This is all sorts of fascinating things. 
Just so neat, you know? It's the World's Fair in a room. What are you two doing as you approach this? The screaming and the running has not happened yet. Well, I guess we'll look around. Do you have in mind looking for a light? I'll look for a light first. That's my M.O. I was going to say, Maida's holding her cigarette lighter very carefully. She does not want to harm the books, per se, but she's already going up to the exhibits being, this this is from, yes, this is from Greece, and Roll me a spot hidden. Spot hidden? Nicodemus, roll me a spot hidden. That's 25, and yeah, that's below my... All right. It's a success. As you're going along the row, Maida, the lights do click on above, and now you can clearly make out the rest of this space. It is, again, about 300 feet in the opposite direction, away from the electrical room, and... It is very full of different artifacts. There are books on pedestals. There are entire sets of bookshelves full of books, which you recognize to be some rumored collections of books by uh, great collectors in the field who have since passed away. And this is kind of a traveling library situation. Very much up your alley. Along with that... There's also artifacts up on pedestals, things like masks, scepters, just a bunch of stuff borrowed from a bunch of different cultures around the world. Now we will take a moment to take notice that the cultural appropriation of colonial era America is considerable, and most of these artifacts have been probably stolen. Their countries of origin, just making clear that I'm aware of that. Disclaimer! Disclaimer! We're aware that these people are bad. What would each of you like to do? Yeah, Maida's going to look at the books. She's going to be drawn to the books. Alrighty. Then go ahead and roll me a spot hidden because there's clearly something you're looking for. And what about you, Mr. Nicodemus? What are you looking for? I'm looking for the thing we came here for. Alright. You stride with purpose down the middle of the aisles, barely taking a glance at anything on either side as you walk down the hallway. I got a 37. 37? Is that below? Is that a success? Yes, that is a success for Spot Hidden. That is a success. It doesn't take you all that long before you kind of have a sensation in your hand and it kind of lifts itself and you're like, I'm familiar with this. And it just kind of reaches down. You're just like, oh, right. It's probably over there, isn't it? <laughs> you go and okay. in full control of your faculties just pluck the book off the shelf and you see embossed on the front cover in a sickly yellow is a series of tentacles in a, a shape of an upside down Y as this is the symbol of your affinity nobody is there to watch as our friend Nicodemus is striding down the aisle he doesn't know exactly what he's looking for but he is going did you roll me that spot hidden, Nicodemus? Would you roll me a spot hidden? Sure. Five. Five. Such success. It doesn't take you very long, though you didn't recognize it at first. You notice the pedestal that you worked on. The book itself, you could have sworn, was supposed to be closed whenever it was going to be put on display. Actually, the pedestal itself was built to hold a closed book with a glass case covering. However, you see that the glass case is on the ground, set aside, beside it, and the book itself is laying open. 
basically. Well, that's strange. I think hearing this, Maida will gently but quickly put the book in her purse, close it, and then go join Nicodemus. All right, all right. As this moment is happening, Nicodemus, before Maida arrives, what are you doing? I'm looking around to see if there's anybody else in this room, because it looks like this was tampered with. It does. With that, would you roll me a spot hidden, but this time for the space that's around you? We'll see what you can uncover. Alright. Not good, boss. That's a 97. Whew. That is one heck of a fumble. But that's okay. As you walk forward to look around the book, see if anybody left anything obvious... The floor panel that you are walking on, the way this building is constructed is it has three floors. You have the top two floors dedicated for public space, and the bottom floor is maintenance. Every room can reach the maintenance halls with relative ease if you know where to look. Mr. Nicodemus, you're aware of this, and at the moment that your foot steps on the floor panel that was dislodged and kind of moved a little bit, you realize, oh, should have watched my step. And your leg falls into the space down below. The floor panel clattering onto the catwalk. That is the bottom floor. You manage to hold on. As a corpulent fellow, it would actually be rather difficult for you to get through this in the first place. But your bottom half is now down the floor, basically. You see this, Maida, as he, as he starts to take a step forward and then just falls. God! Ah! Need a hand, Mr. Nicodemus? I would appreciate that, Miss Mida. As she says, need a hand, you hear from below you footsteps walking on the catwalk in your direction. Oh, pull me up quick. All right, all right. So I try to pull him up. Or, yes, roll me a strength check. This may go horribly. She is not made for strength. Can I help with my elbows? No, you might have been able to. If it wasn't for that thing that's up with one of your arms. Oh, yeah. Silly football injuries. Well, I rolled a 78. Ain't going. Ooh. It's taken a bit. It's taken a bit, Nicodemus. (sighs) Maybe if you could help a bit, Mr. Nicodemus, it's... As you try to lift him, Maida, he's starting to go up, he's starting to go up, and then he's pulled down. Yeah! <laughs> Nicodemus, as you feel something grab your hand and pull you down, would you roll me a sanity roll? Four. Nerves of steel. Nerves of steel. <laughs> You're fine, though you do take a point of damage as claws have sunk into your... Ow! Ah! What happened? What happened? Ah, uh, my leg! My freaking leg! You sliced on something? It must be it. Th- that, that must be it. Well, we can get it looked at in a moment. Uh, and I keep trying to help him out. Maybe look for something that I can leverage? Or something that he can use to help leverage himself out? Sure. Roll me a spot hidden for that. As you look around real quick to see if there's any type of help, or if the person that dislodged the panel in the first place left something to help themselves out. Ooh, okay. That's a 69. Nice. The 69. 
from a 60. So that's not too bad. Not good. No, you can push for that. If you rolled a 69 and you were going for a 60, you can push your luck in some way to succeed with consequences. So even if I succeed, there will be consequences. Well, there are already consequences. The question is, which consequences we go for? Exactly. I guess I could try. Yeah, I guess I'll try pushing it. What do I do for that? Let me double check. You pushing a roll mechanic. Not sure what I could do for it, story-wise, but... Maybe readjust how you're standing to get more leverage. Yeah, I can do that, yeah. I'll readjust my stance and then try again. Okay, so you roll it again. Okay. And you say, what action? Yes. So yes, I readjust my stance and I try again. Oh, which dice are going to be nice to me today? Let's see. Let's try a different set. Oh, 17! Much better! Fantastic. Very good. You do manage to pull up Mr. Nicodemus with this pushed roll. And it is very strong. If anything, it felt like there is more strength uh, applied than you would be able to normally. You're, you're familiar with your own strength and how, how you can move. Yeah. And you're also familiar with moments where you've exhibited more strength than that. Yeah. Mr. Nicodemus... As you are looking up in the eyes of the person that is helping you, you see that her eyes turn yellow. They turn a sickly green then into a yellow as her grip just strengthens and almost crushes, maybe even spraining the hand that you're, you're offering as she rips you out of the hole. Roll me a little bit of a sanity check. Does Maida know that her eyes can turn that color sometimes or is she just... Nope. Nope? Okay. Oh. Cool. Thank you. I love this. 55. I am good. You're cool as a cucumber. Just strong woman just comes in and swoops in and pulls you out of the hole. And honestly, right now, your thoughts are not on her. Your thoughts are on covering up that hole because whatever it is that is down there. Ow. The five claw marks on the back of your calf tell a story that doesn't quite say uh, mechanical damage. Yeah. Those are bad, Mr. Let's, let's, uh... Cover. He moves to cover the hole real fast. All right. You do so with nary a whisper, as the footsteps seem to have vanished. Just kind of run up, you felt the claws, and then you did not hear anything else. (sighs) Damn it. As the two of you are laying there, you hear a scream from the hole. Oh, no. Let us turn our attention to the art gallery for a moment. Okay. Miss Delilah, as you calmly enter this space, it is still dark. The large windows on the far wall of the gallery kind of casting an eerie greenish-bluish light. It's very much a non-natural light, but it's fine. How are you reacting as you walk into this space? I am going to make a beeline for my display. Your painting? In the dark? Yes. All right. Then roll me a stealth, even though you're not trying to be stealth. Okay. Oh, that's a 98. So that is a big time fumble because stealth is <laughs> As you make your way through the middle of the art gallery and look 
left and right. Your breath starts to accelerate a little tiny bit as you know what you're going to go look at. But you're also pretty sure you've seen the other paintings in this room before. They don't look like they do right now. And as you go down the hallway, you hear the striking of a match as a man is standing in front of you and he's lighting up the room. Oh, hello there, Missy. How can I be uh, helping you today? He's very well dressed in the light embers of his cigarette as he's smoking. You do see his hair is perfectly kept, clean-shaven, in a three-piece suit, tuxedo. Oh, evening, sir. One of the artists that has their pieces displayed here, but unfortunately one of the uh, pieces that's not public display accidentally got packed with my other pieces, and I I was hoping to retrieve it this evening. For, you know, the gallery opened tomorrow. Oh, why, of course. The shadows seem to stretch around you, though you're unaware. Of course. Which one would that be? Oh, it's really all right, sir. There's no need to trouble yourself. I can get it myself. Oh, no. I do insist on helping you to find it. After all, I've been here enjoying these paintings all evening. I might even be able to tell you a little bit about yours. And as he does, he begins to walk down the hallway in front of you, not waiting for you to follow, and begins to talk about different paintings. He gestures at one that shows a extremely old man, age absolutely present on his face, sickness present on his face, the teeth are yellow, the eyes show jaundice. It's not particularly a pleasant painting, but it does kind of draw your eye a little bit. He says, this is a, a nice painting of me from a long time ago. It's quite something to be around this this mortal plane for an extended period of time. I do hope you get to enjoy the feeling at some point. You do seem to be someone of high society. You may be invited at some point. As you see this painting, you see that the skin on the face starts to ever so slightly disconnect from where the the eye sockets and mouth should be. It is that kind of horrible attraction as it draws your eyes in. Roll me a sanity check. Okay. Five. 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 With nary a concern, steely nerves, you just say, why thank you, and just keep on going. Just straight past him. He does not turn to follow. He's just there, looking at the painting. Smiles. It's very nice, sir. Well, I'll leave you to your ruminations. And you keep on going down the hallway. The art gallery itself is built up a little bit as a maze. You know, the greatest surface area to guide people through so they see everything. And at the place where there is the final turn before where you're supposed to arrive, you do run up into what originally just looked like more hallway. But you see it is actually a very dark landscape painting that is in front of you. And it's very tall. This huge space dominated by these maybe even thousand-year-old trees on either side, framing a very mild countryside in the background. The foreground much darker than the background. In the foreground of the view, there is a bit of flowing water from the point of view of the painter. And 
far on the other side of the river, tiny, tiny, minuscule figures are visible. And you can see that they're holding their hands up in kind of threatening gestures. Overall, this would be a relatively dark landscape painting, but you can't help but think about the speech that you heard earlier today, about finally having found a moment in time when we can get freedom from... That was just the moment when you were interrupted by the bellhop that was delivering the letter. But you could have sworn that the man said, save us from the capture that is being used by the utilities and the flowing water of this city. Continuing on down the hall, you do eventually stop at a bigger gallery space, a room, with a variety of postmodern paintings, which is very much entertaining for the 20s, as each of these is just as ethereal and disquieting as the next, but all of them are foreign to you, except for one. It is not a big painting, maybe about six inches by eight inches. It was meant to be a warm-up, the kind of thing that you would paint over and easily discard. But the painting itself is a more haunting, yet familiar feeling for you. To others who would be seeing it, you would be seeing an exchange of textures, of transparency, and of brittleness at the same time. There is this this kind of liquid flow to the shape that is represented in this. The background, the edges, a deep, rich black, almost turning into a deep forest green kind of thing. And in the middle, a kind of bulbous curve. On one side, covered in spikes. On the other side, very much clearly, rows of suckers. What do you do upon seeing this painting? You are, you cursed thing. There is no response. This is the one, right? This is the painting I wanted? It is your painting. As you take a moment to look at it closer, the hatred building up inside of you, out of the corner of your eye, you could have caught movement, but you look at the painting next to yours. It's the same colors. Even some of the same shapes. You go to the next one. Also, very similar. And you go that way around the entire room. And you see that all of these are connected. Except for the centerpiece of the room. Which is a painting that next to it says, Blackest Night. It is pure blackness. Sheer blackness of the likes that... No painter at this time has been able to concoct. What is this? It doesn't matter. Romeo sanity. Oh. 68. Ooh, that's above it, isn't it? Yeah, mine is 60. Ooh. Though it's close, it is a loss. Join us. Join us. The painting seems to react to your voice. As you say, what is this? The darkness seems to shift and move. Areas of it becoming even darker still. Until a section of green seems to flow in front and stop. And a huge yellow eye opens up in the center of the painting. I am going to need you to roll me a d10. 
D10. For the sanity that is lost. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh. oh gosh. Oh. Oof. Woof. Okay. Ten. Ten? All right, I guess the dice are telling a story tonight. Oh, I hate us. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Go ahead and mark off ten points on your sanity. <laughs> okay. Sanity is now 15. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, okay. Okay. That's a phobia. Am I the only one who hasn't rolled a sanity roll yet? I think so. Do you want to? You'll let your turn will come, I'm sure. You see, I may have built a character with the purpose of him going insane. Oh boy. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. If you'd like to exchange some sanity. Okay, you're gonna take the violence route. Oh! as you hear a yell behind you. Ah! Now, Amelia, you're running. You're running and you're just jogging. You're going, you're, you need to get out of here. You turn left. You're in a dark hallway. There might be paintings on either side, that's weird. Anyway, doesn't matter, gotta keep going, gotta keep going. You kind of bump a figure out of the way. You keep on going, you keep on going. And you finally stop, right as you see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. A bright yellow light, very much like the normal running lights of the rest of the building are on in front of you. Breathe a sigh of relief as you go here towards this safe place, far away from any of the issues that are going on. Now, folks that are next to the water fountain, Oscar, would you kindly tell me, what are you, what are you up to as you see Amelia running away? So, what direction did she run? towards what parts of the building? Back down the hallway towards the four showrooms. So towards where everyone else is? Yes. Hmm. Well, Oscar's just kind of gonna look around and say, now what entire nation could have caused that? And I'm going to look for anything that could have caused someone to be startled so extremely, especially in the areas that Amelia may have been. Okay. You do take note of the statues. That's not particularly difficult to take note. You do remember that there were some windows back there that she could have looked out into, but you, I mean, you understand getting nervous because of the storm. There are a lot of windows in this expo hall, and as you look out, the storm is getting pretty spicy. There are waves that are coming up over the second floor decks. This is, uh, (laughs) the storm of the century, if I may say so myself. So yeah, you can with your knowledge of the occult, I don't think it's very far-stretched to be like, well, she probably figured out something about these statues. Oh. Would you like to dig deeper into those thoughts or ideas? I want to see what you can figure out about statues. Yes, because he can't hold himself back from the chance of learning something. Sure. Would that be occult? Uh, yes. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I rolled an 80. My occult is a 70. Mm. You could spend luck. You can push for it. True. I could spend luck. That'd be a lot of luck to spend. Or push. Push. It's fine. Nothing bad will happen. It's fine. 
Everything is But I need to spend 10 or 11. Do I need to meet the number or be under the number? I'm going to say meet. Okay. So my option is to either spend 10 luck or just kind of move on. You can push the roll in order to pass it directly. However, depending on how well your roll goes will determine how negative consequences can be. I see. I will say for the purposes of foreshadowing that there's a lot of moving pieces right now, and you're kind of in a central hub. So, up to you. I'm trying to think if the job would take priority or if this curiosity would. You can relate that to your sanity or intelligence. Probably curiosity would, so... Or it could be power, if you want to roll for yourself without telling anybody. And I leave it up to the percentage's chance of your willpower. Sure, I'm gonna do that. Okay. (laughs) It's (laughs) 50-50. Well, he's gonna dig deeper into this matter. Right. So, the re-roll, I guess... Alright. Okay. Push your luck. Okay. That is a 46. 46 on your reroll? That is a success, isn't it? That is a success, yes. Fantastic. And this was for an investigation into the occult on the statues and fountain situation. Yes. Okay. Trying to figure out what's happening with this picture here. As you take a moment to pause and think about what's going on. You are reading the plaques around, and they are kind of painting a little bit of a picture. And you'll have that picture in just a moment, but as you're doing that, you hear another scream, and a bolt of lightning strikes one of the sides. We will then turn our attention to now the people that are standing in front of the book in question. Now that you've taken a moment to breathe, you hear the first and now we're kind of sitting in a moment of quiet. The, the storm is still rolling through. You do see the large glass windows that face out into, into Lake Michigan. You can kind of see up towards the northern coast, and you can see that bridge-like silhouette of that first heavier-than-air airship built by San Francisco Steam Company. And you think that you remember it was called the Golden Gate or something like that. Either way, what are you two up to currently as you're taking a moment? There's the book we're looking for. Let's just grab it and get out of here. Yes, but you said something was wrong or something was weird before before you fell. What what was that? The case is open. The book's open. It's not supposed to be. I figured when I turned on the lights, it must have scared whoever it was trying to steal it before us. So I guess we got lucky. Have you dealt with the fact your leg is bleeding? Yeah, uh, I mean, if he doesn't care, then... Eh, I guess, but... There's a good amount of blood here now on the floor around you. <sighs> okay. Well, I don't... Why would they open it then? But also, we should probably take care of your leg first. Because if you faint, we're gonna have an issue carrying you. Yeah, okay. Do I have a first aid kit in my suitcase? Yes, probably. That would be the type of safety thing that would be carried around by an engineer, yes. Alright. Don't worry about it. Pops open the suitcase. Okay. Uh, 
there's a bit of dog to cover your leg. Would you, Nicodemus, as you're doing this, roll me a first aid check? Fail. 51. Oof. Can I help him? Yeah, sure. Uh, you could give him a bonus die on it. I get a bonus die? Yeah. 51. <laughs> the exact same. It's the exact same <laughs> roll. Dice have a well, story they want to tell tonight, guys. Okay. They're going to tell it. They do. Before you're actually able to bandage up your leg, you do have this moment as your hands, you know, it's a bit of adrenaline is going through you. It's uh-oh. dexterity, not necessarily your strong suit. Wait a moment. Well, now we have everybody from the other group, so let's continue with the other group. Amelia, as you take this relaxing breath, you step into the lit room and are blinded by this bright yellow light. What is that? And, Lala, what kind of stuff do you carry on your purse? Palette knife? Painting, yeah. Oh, right, for painting, of course. Better than a gun. No, but it will hurt. Even being stabbed by a spoon would be painful. <laughs> do you have a firearm handgun? But you don't, you're not carrying a handgun. No. It's okay. We're actually not going to go that route. Oh, okay. Thank you. Your mania of violence makes you grab the next person you see while you're in this room, affected by whatever it is that you cannot fathom. You grab this person, their face a kind of smudge, the world kind of turning into a painting around you. No detail. But just, oh, it's a, it's a humanoid grab. And you're kind of inside of your own mind watching this as you grab and then with superhuman strength pull this person up to the large painting and shove them through it. With that, there is a bolt of lightning that crashes down, shattering the windows of this gallery and rain begins to pour in. And you black out. Okay. This is fine. Also, that's probably pretty funny, because Delilah's pretty petite. That was an interesting thing that just happened. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm like, I've heard things shoved through mirrors, but I just got yeeted through a painting by someone who's probably a decent amount shorter than I am. Unless Amelia's significantly smaller than Brianna, or significantly bigger than Brianna, it's probably like I had actually shoved Brianna Jean through a painting, because Casey is quite petite. <laughs> Amelia is actually quite sizable. Oh, yeah. Which is going to play just at some point in the very near future. However, we do have some other characters to address for the time being, as Oscar... You see this flash of light. You hear this shattering of glass coming from the hallway. And you rolled a cult to know more about the fountains. What do you do upon hearing the shattering glass and seeing the flash of light? Uh, I think he draws gun, first of all. You draw a gun. And then wait a moment to let his thoughts catch up to himself. Noise settles out to the rhythmic running of water cooling, splashing further. Now at this point, we'll turn to the other two. As you're working on your leg, 
your gauze kind of slips out of your hand and falls on the floor, and you realize there's way more blood around you than there should be. You damage yourself up, but there's no way that this is all yours. You know, just through simple, vague understanding of first aid, if someone had lost this much blood, they are not alive. What do you and Maida do about this? Just shove it in here with my open suitcase. We'll deal with it later. All right. Well, what? But I don't think that we've just been in the middle of stolen, but okay. So I'd go over to the book, but try to examine it first, I guess. Be like, why is this open? Even if you're trying to steal a book, which Mida would have known about, you don't open it for <laughs> This is true. First of all, as you approach the book, you do see that the pages that it is currently open to are black. Like completely? Like completely. That's not ideal. And as you go to investigate it, first, I need a sample. Sanity roll. Okay. Question before I roll that. Do I roll based on the current, so I would need to pass my current sanity or my starting sanity? Current. Current? Oh, great. Yes. That is the game mechanic that functions in this game. The more bad things you see, the harder it is to stay safe. I just just wanted to check. Um, yep, you're good. Please. Okay, 20. Not bad. You pass. Well Yay! done. Yay! <laughs> um, you do take one point of sanity. Okay, one's, one's not bad. This is a very specific book. It has some weight to it. And as you look inside of the front cover, you see that it was open to the front cover. The information page, identifying page, which you were told to look at to, you know, identify. This is the correct book. So somebody else was trying to identify it. And you see that the symbol that is scrawled here on this opening page, it is drawn in what looks to be a hardened but dark brown, almost black liquid. It almost blends into the page, but you can still see the, the kind of reflectiveness on it in this lit room in which you are. It is the symbol of the drum. A circle with a double five-pointed star and some squiggly bits. Um, Not your symbol. No. But it is one of the symbols of power. And that is what you saved from. Okay, and that's what I see. Okay, so I recognize it's a symbol of power. Oh, boy. Would I need to roll something to be like, this dark brown hard substance is probably blood? because there's an awful lot of it here. It's probably that realization which caused the sanity check. Okay, all right. The one guaranteed point is because of which item it is. Okay. There's blood on this. I don't... I don't want to close it. It is dry. Oh, it's dry? Okay. Yes. It is not the same blood. Which certainly is not a helpful thought, but it is not the same blood. Okay, so it's probably not mid-ritual. Okay. Alright, so I would... Making sure that my hands did not have more blood on them... Wise. Carefully put it in the suitcase and be like, okay, just... Because his bag's probably bigger. It's like a full suitcase with, like, a wrench and some bits in it. Okay, just carefully, carefully put this in here. Please don't touch it with bloody hands, just in case. 
I pull out the crowbar, which is probably the biggest thing in the suitcase to make room for it. Yeah, probably. I'll call these weapons. I'm like, I have a pen. <laughs> An umbrella. Well, let's go back with the... Well, we should probably figure out where this blood came from. Because if there's a murder on the loose, that's another thing we do not want to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. There is that, you know, that happened just a couple of moments ago. Just as, as y'all were having your crisis, you heard that yell at the same time. Oh, yeah, I also heard a scream. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. Not to mention a screaming crashing is going to happen at some point fairly soon. <laughs> yes. That other yes, scream. Here. Yes, the first scream. Okay. Uh, let's let's go see how the others are doing. There's a scream coming from that direction. Okay. You're gonna make it to the end of your gallery at about the same time as Oscar makes it to the hallway. So you're the three of you are gonna be in the same room. Oscar, as you're moving, where are you going first? I just want to make sure that you are going to that hallway. Well, so I'm a little confused on timing. The lightning flash and scream that were together is what caused him to pause and draw his gun. Has that happened yet? Yes. Okay. Then, yes, he is heading in that direction. Okay. Now the timelines have synced up. Everybody has heard the two screams, the crashing glass, and the lightning. The three of you see each other in the hallway. What do you do? We got the book, Oscar. Where are Amelia and Delilah? Amelia was with me, but took off running at something. Oh boy, okay. Nicodemus is hurt as well, but did you see where she went? Oscar will point in the direction that he believes Amelia to have gone. Amelia? He'll point with the hand that his gun is not in. You do take note, is one of the two rooms that you have not looked at yet. Above it, it says Art Gallery. And I'll confess, I don't know where Miss Delilah went. I didn't see her after we all split up. Okay. Let's concentrate, since we know where Miss Amelia, where Amelia is. Let's go look at, for her first, and then we can all look for Delilah together. We should probably not be split up right now. Do we need to draw weapons? Well, I'll admit I drew mine because I got a little spooked. But I suppose if you have one on you, it mightn't be a bad idea. I mean, Nicodemus is holding the crowbar. She readies her pistol. Alright, let's go. Alright. As you go into the art gallery, the first thing that strikes you is the sound of running water, as there is almost a river that is flowing back through the gallery towards you. The windows having broken open in the middle of the heaviest part of the storm. And... The wind shows it, too, as there is a strong wind blowing through the hallway. You get about halfway down the hallway and take note that there is a painting that is on the floor. The hallways are considerably brighter right now, the glass having shattered, now allowing some of the exterior lights that were lit to allow the VIPs back all the way to the ballroom to kind of filter in that sulfur orange. So you can see that the painting on the ground has a big old slash through the middle of it. A painting of a young man. As you continue on, you see this landscape, now considerably more wet, as it is just that, a simple landscape. You see large trees, you see a dry riverbed, 
You see the path going off into the distance. That's all. You continue on down, and eventually it rises and rises. You enter a, well, it would be called a room. I mean, if it had, you know, more than three walls and a ceiling, as it looks like a bomb has gone off here. The entire glass wall that curved up a little bit into the ceiling has been blown out completely. As you walk in, you're hearing the crunching of the glass underneath your feet. The water here is running clear. You try to ascertain some of what's going on, and you see a variety of wall mounts for paintings. This must have been a, a room which was still under development. Probably late paintings that were going to arrive on the morrow for the display. It's good that nothing has been water damaged. Looking around, there's not much to catch your eye. Nicodemus, as the first person to directly encounter the detail relevant to this, you would be kind of looking at the floor, aware that if there's nothing above, maybe there's something below. Roll me a spot pool. Did Oscar get anything from his re-roll of the occult knowledge? Yes. As you were walking towards the hallway, kind of taking your pace, you were rolling through the details of the story you wrote in your mind. Thinking about it, I think it's the story that was specifically referenced whenever the person who hired you said, oh, we have quite significant interest in this particular book you wrote. Mr. Terry Novelis said, I think that you're onto something with this book. Nicodemus, what was in that particular role? 62, it's a fail. You want to push or uh, or buy it with some luck? That would be 17 luck. Yeah, I'm going to spend 17 luck to make that a success. Okay. You succeed without question. With significant authority, you note that panel over there has been lifted. They might be down below in the, in the uh, maintenance catwalks. Now, back to Oscar. You take note that uh, when you were hired, the person that hired you mentioned one of the tales from Forgotten Histories Under the Sea, where they discuss the fanciful tale of a kingdom of mages who went to live under the ocean to run away from blood-craving members of their own society, because the water itself had to scare them away. It was an interesting note. You know, the trope of vampires. Jackals have things. Neat. And then you see the other two. So, Nicodemus with that observation. And the other two, what are you up to? They're probably looking around, seeing if there was any fanny to point my gun at. <laughs> like, not trying to be trigger happy, but also being like, is there a threat here? Or would Nicodemus have shown us panel before this, or...? This is as you were walking into the room. He thinks to look down instead, because he has run into the panel before. This is a I'm already primed to think it, so I'm gonna look for it first kind of situation. Okay. So as you walk in, you see pretty much everything that is going on here. It's, it is a, a museum. There's not much places to hide in the museum by design. No, but the room exploded, so... There's no sign of Amelia or Delilah. You can roll me another spot hidden. Man, we're using a lot of spot hidden today. 
You can roll me another spot hidden to attempt to find some type of hint or something about what happened. Should I also roll that? Or You can give him advantage, or you can roll it yourself. Either way would work. How about I give him advantage? Okay. Alright. Then you have an advantage die, Nicodemus, as you go through this. Six. Six. That is, I do believe, not quite an extreme success. But it's close. So close. I would say that you find a notebook washed up in the corner. It was difficult to see at first because of the kind of burnt, charred remains of walls and things that have been scattered around the room, but you do see a, a small notebook that is just sitting open with the rain dropping on it. I go to pick up the notebook. It is very quickly identifiable as the notebook that Amelia was carrying around earlier. If she was here, now what? I don't know. There don't seem to be a lot of options as to where they could have gone. I'd rather not explore underneath. Oh yes, that's where you got that gash, but if it's the only way... uh... No, it's not the only way. The other option is believed. It is an option. I have a question for you three. Just how heroic are you? There's clearly something spooky going on in this place. And I've had a close enough shave. If we can't find any evidence of our compatriots, neither will the police. I'd say that Oscar isn't heroic, but he is dying to know what's going on. However, he also knows that dead men can't write stories, so he's a little at war with himself, but mainly I think curiosity might win here. I may roll willpower again just to see, but... I've seen enough. We have the package, so we can just leave. Will the package let you leave, though? That's a different question. Okay, question. Could I attempt to persuade the others to stay with me to figure out what's going on? Hmm. I suppose. Though, that would be contested in some capacity. Because some of these are more suspicious than others. What I need to know is what does a contested role look like in this game? If these characters wouldn't be able to be persuaded, that's fine. I'm still thinking. Mm. I bet you it's a, like a willpower thing. Yeah, it would be a power-related thing. Hmm, interesting. I don't want to guess too much, because I bet you that persuasion of characters is a thing. Alright, then, in that case, I think Oscar won't bother trying to persuade. I'm just gonna roll to see what his decision is. Oh. It's close. It was very close. If I had rolled over 50, he would have stayed, but I rolled a 46. So he is willing to leave, but it's painful for him. Fair enough. And is that a unanimous... I think Nicodemus is just very strongly saying, take the money and run. I mean, the whole game says take the money and run. Yeah. Trying to think. 
I didn't agree to do this job for exploration reasons. Maida, what's your call? I think Maida looks at these two people. He thinks for a moment. She does seem uncertain. And it's sort of like a twitch or something. And she sort of grasps her forearm real quick. I... I don't want people to be left in the horrors of the dark. I'll go see if I can find them, or at least some evidence. Ooh, a hero. Oh. Are you two going to join me? Or are you going to take the coward's way out? You going to go help the rich people? Oh... Can Nicodemus attempt to persuade Maida to abandon this? I stopped my search for contested roles. Give me a moment. Oh boy, this is exciting. There's also the fact fewer people complete the job, the more money you get. I mean, yes, that's true. Oh, there we go. Used when two roles are opposing one another, both roll against an agreed skill or characteristic. The one with the best level of success wins. I'd say willpower. Power? Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I guess. Alright. You know what's interesting about this, Oscar? I think you actually have a lower power than both of these people. Probably. You might be willing to follow if they start to go in. If they start to go in, Oscar will. Is a lower number better at this, or no? Yeah, lower number is better. It is rank of success. Okay. I got a 37. And what's your rating? 60. Okay. I got a 45, and my rank is 75. So that is the same level of success. Okay, so what do we do now? The side with the higher skill or characteristic wins, in the case of a tie. Okay, so he wins. Nicodemus puts his hand on Midas' shoulder and says, Some people are too far gone to save. Thing is, though, that could have been said for me at one point. Retreat now and live to fight another day. I will say, BJ, your comment on helping out the rich people is actually completely incorrect. I will just go ahead and meta drop that. It is, like, vehemently incorrect. Dear Storykeeper, I have a question about Nicodemus' statement of some people are too far gone to save. Do you think that would have the opposite effect on Oscar, considering his history? No, because Oscar survived and left someone behind. Yes, exactly. And that moment has fueled his entire life. Well, hmm. since it is related to his power... And this is an ethereal thing that is also used for spellcasting in the game. I will say that it is not being said with the kind of blind sageness that could create a kind of knee-jerk reaction of, oh, I hate the words that have been said by this person, so I'm going to do the opposite. It is being delivered with a gravitas that kind of makes you reflect on that moment in which this person was left behind and makes you say, 
I thought the same thing, and there was a reason for thinking the same thing. You probably wouldn't have left them behind in that moment, originally. But as things started to get weirder and weirder, your life was threatened in a way during that moment which did leave significant and long-standing scars. But you had to leave. You're welcome to roll me a sanity check as you are consuming your own mind about this. Okay. Here we go. Okay, I rolled a 24. My sanity is at 50. You snap yourself out of it. And the kind of utility of the moment, almost in your mind you're like, well, they also know that they can just go to the boats. I'm sure that whatever's been going on, they're just trying to make it out. out. This is quite reasonable. And Dima's words even almost calm you. As you begin to have a bit of a panic attack, and just your own force of will just brings it down. His own force of will in this state just kind of brings everything back down to ground. The rain continues to pour you. This is the storm of the century, genuinely, and you are all standing in the Henry. Let's get to that boat now, shall we? Right. So we're all cowards then. All right. Well, sometimes it's cowards that get to write the future. It's the cowards that write the stories. Really? I thought it was the winners. Silly me. Well, sometimes it's the same thing. About the worst part. There are no heroes in this world. As the group all left, as a contrast from the beginning of the adventure, Oscar actually embraced the rain. The running water. He didn't scrunch himself down away from it. Because what he remembered about that ritual and the story that he had written felt a little more real than he'd ever really wanted to believe before. You are now walking your way away from the building toward that ferry. The light is on, and the bellhop and the uh, portly man that you originally saw are both standing, waiting for you. The five of you sit in the ferry for a few more minutes, maybe about an hour longer, and eventually call it all as lost, and move along your way. The gentleman does confirm that you have in fact procured the correct book, and the following day you do find payment delivered to each of your both household and hotel. As all three of you go on your morning commute hoping to forget the events of the past day, You hear news about a Delilah Broadsworth who made waves in the social scene last night and was seen leaving the site of the party with a group of her new best friends in tow. No one ever heard of the two missing figures, Amelia Devereaux and Mrs. Joseph Mustel, as both were just lost to time. Many questions will still remain, for that situation, many of which should probably be directed at Miss Delilah, as she seems to have walked away intact. But that is for another time and maybe another story. Or maybe no time at all. Either way, I do appreciate having you all join me for this little spooky tale. And I do look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining us and stay tuned next time to find out what happens on Board the Opal Star. If you don't want to wait, you can get early access to our episodes over at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. If you like our show, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting app so people can know where to find us. We couldn't do this without your help. A Worthy Opal Star is a production of Pseudonym Social, changing reality one story at a time. It is DM'd and produced by me, Brianna Toiber. I'm Casey, and I'm playing Anima the Ashenforged. Victor, I'm playing Farida the Promethean. My name's Alexis, and I am playing Vilina Sorel, the Eldori. With music by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. To get more information on this or any of our other shows, check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com.